everybody! Welcome back to My Sister Made Me View It, the 1999 Roswell edition. This is the part of My Sister Made Me View It where I have seen what we're watching. Megan has not, ever. And so we're going through episode by episode. Meg gets to guess what she thinks is going to happen. And she loves this series so much. It's her new favorite TV show. And... <laughs> Don't. I said that right as she put her quiet snack in her mouth so she couldn't disagree with me. Don't make me make you watch something scary. No, don't make me do that. Anyways, we sit here and we chat about it when in reality, I should be working on my book. I should be doing some extra writing. But instead... We're making a podcast. We're making a podcast. Oh, and I have some news to close the loop on something that we yeah. talked about last week. Oh, yeah? I found the missing puzzle piece. <gasps> Yay! <laughs> yes! Where was it? It was under the couch, face down, so the cardboard side was up and it, like, blended into the carpet. But never fear. I know you guys were very worried about this. It's all fixed. The end. Nice. And I've, I've left the puzzle up. It's been up for, like, a week because I'm just so proud of it. And it makes me feel so good every time I look at it that it has all the pieces in it. All 470 pieces. <laughs> How many pieces is it? 750. Wow. I switched two numbers in my brain. Dyscalculia, oh, I guess. Uh, all right. Emily, are you ready to talk about Season 1, Episode 20, Max to the Max? Yes, I am. I'm super excited to talk about this. Meg, do you remember what you guessed this was going to be about? I don't remember, but my wishes came true. One, it was a better episode than last week. The pattern holds of episode I don't enjoy, episode I love, episode I don't enjoy, and now we're back on another one that I really liked. And thank goodness they just declared the alien pregnancy wasn't real. And I was like, yes, just <laughs> it's gone. Don't worry about it. I don't know how I would have ranged to do this or how I would have known to do this. But there is a part in this episode that blew Megan's mind and her face when it happened was all the vindication I've ever needed about this show. <laughs> that the, the wrong Max got saved. <laughs> No, no, it wasn't that. We'll get to it. I'll tell you what it happens. Um, How did I forget what it was already? I don't know. You were so worried it was going to be a bad episode. And I'm 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 glad. I'm glad that. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to allow you to eat on the podcast because you're such a good sport about it. Okay. (laughs) I haven't had dinner yet. And, and you're not, being a good sport. I'm not saying that blackberries and rice pudding are a good dinner, but here's what happened. So I ordered groceries, and I ordered some sushi. And I know, I know, it's always a gamble getting grocery store sushi, but I ordered a spicy tuna roll, and instead they brought me a crunch roll. And it was very sad because I got a notification on my phone that's like, I swapped it out for a crunch roll. And as I picked up my phone to type in, no, please don't, ding, your shopper has checked out. And I'm like, Aww. no. So 
control was really bad and really soggy and i ended up tossing it i'm so sorry so instead i'm eating blackberries and rice pudding which was supposed to be my dessert but i've just declared it to be dinner (laughs) also we just finished recording um our next way of kings episode Mm -hmm. only now it's words of radiance is it and is it now words of radiance (laughs) no what's it actually going to be emily Warbreaker. Uh, I'm, a, I'm getting revenge on Emily and I'm forcing her to read something <laughs> she doesn't want to. Well, we just had a really good recording session and I'm like, okay, great. Yeah, that was great. All right, let's turn it. And Meg's like, well, do you want to record a Roswell? And I was like, yes, I do. Well, because here's the thing. Because she's a good sister. Well, also, we're like nine episodes ahead on Way of Kings. And <laughs> it's true. We are like scrambling to get Roswell done week to week. So we're going to get a backlog. This is this is how it's going to happen. But let's dive into Roswell, Season 1, Episode 20, Max to the Max. It picks up immediately where Four Squared left off with the four, now four aliens in the desert. And you guys, you know I love this show. Tess is so weird because she's so... I can't even say if she's excited or if she's vindicated, but everything she says, her eyes are open just a little too wide, and her smile is a little too pasted on for me. And like she's explaining to them what their heritage is that hey, we're all aliens, hey, we were all born together, hey, this is where we came out of the pods. And she's just like, I'm tour guide Barbie, or you know, like there is no war embossing, say, sort of a thing. All right, me jumping in overall. I liked this episode. We get a lot of information that we've been asking questions about all season. I will say I didn't really start enjoying it until maybe like 10 or 12 minutes into it. Mm -hmm. Because this beginning scene is them out in the desert. Uh, Like you said, it, it picks where they left off. And Max just instantly runs to a cave that he knows is there. And they run past this particular rock structure and it's the one that uh michael and isabel were making out on in their dreams (laughs) here's what i think happened is this is what it feels like we've talked about this before where some episodes stop really abruptly or it feels like one episode was split into two in a weird way i feel like this must have been part of foursquare but for whatever reason they chopped it off and stuck it on max to the max Because the tone does change further on. I agree with you. I think this was supposed to be the ending scene of Foursquare. Because if if you remember, I was just super shocked at the very abrupt ending of Foursquare. And I I feel like it should have ended seeing these pods that they were born in. Because we had that really long flashback in the the last one. So I'm going to posit a theory that I have no way of proving that the episode was going to be maybe a full minute too long. Mm-hmm. And in the edit, what they did instead was chop the ending off and then extend out the dream sequences and the flashback just like a little longer each to hit that very specific, you know, 42 minutes and 30 whatever seconds you need to do for TV. But mm-hmm. yeah. Like you said, Max runs to this hidden entrance and we saw this in the in the episode previously where Tess like waved her hand over a spot on a wall and the silver handprint shows up. Max does the same thing and the rock opens up 
into their like incubation room, I guess. And again, you guys know I love this show, but they're in there for about 45 seconds. This is like what they've been looking for. This is the physical proof of what they've been looking for. Well, at least what Michael has been looking for. Let's be honest, okay? And Tess is doing her, this is where we were born, her like really weird like tour guide thing. And Isabel immediately is like, absolutely not. Goodbye. And she runs out. Max goes to follow her and says, we can't leave her alone. Come on, Michael. And I'm like, Michael is like, this is what he's been looking for. This is the whole purpose of his existence in his brain. And they're just like, okay, you saw it. Let's go. Get out. It's like, it's like a kid in a fancy art museum that has no interest in art. <laughs> they're just like, walk around the perimeter and head out. Which, yes. Megan, you used to give me heart attacks all the time because <laughs> you would wander off as a young child and just do your own thing. And then we're like, stay with the group. And you're like, okay. And then you would just turn and walk in the other direction. You were very difficult to keep track of as Listen, a child. You and mom, I would do this to you all the time. I would see something sparkly. I would let go of the, the grown-up's hand that was supposed to be keeping track of me. And I would just leave and go look at the thing. But here's the kicker i could always just walk right back to where the group was even if they'd gone to a completely different area of the store i was very good at being able to, to <laughs> like homing beacons planted on all of my family um i feel like i remember doing it at our disney world trip i'm sure you did of just walking away from the group to look at what i want to look at and then just walking on back you know five minutes later when my parents are you know, probably tearing their hair out. I'm like, where is our six-year-old? <laughs> Why can't you watch her? Why can't you keep an eye on her? But yeah, listen, I could always find my way back. And I was, I was all brushed up on stranger danger. I was going to be fine. Good thing we didn't live in England in the in the early days. You would have been stolen away by the Fae. <laughs> I was like, where is this going? <laughs> Maybe I was. Maybe I'm a changeling. <laughs> Not even your real sister. <laughs> anyway, so all the alien... Well, Tess, first, she gives Michael the alien diary. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you can convince them that I'm on your side. And I'm like, are you on our side? This... Okay, like how the sheriff just sort of instantly switches sides. Mm -hmm. I feel like the same sort of thing is, is happening with Tess, where they're not actually changing the way she's written. The episode just sort of presents, okay... She's absolutely on our side for this episode. That is all you need to know. Um, but we find out something interesting about her dad. He's Nisado. <laughs> See, you would think that this is the part where Megan was like, oh, but so he, everyone has left the cave except for Tess. He walks through the rock wall and Meg's just like, huh? <laughs> like I was, you don't understand how hard it was for me to not slip up and be like, Tessa DeSato. I had nightmares about it. That I, did that. <gasps> I forgot to tell you on our podcast. Oh, no. I had a dream a couple weeks ago that I was in church and someone gave a talk about the way of Kings about... <laughs> the fourth book and was talking all about it and was giving spoilers. Ugh. You guys, this is so off topic. 
So I supported the Brandon Tanderson Kickstarter to get the new books and everything. Mm-hmm. And today's the last day of the Kickstarter. And yesterday is like a surprise and it's like a thank you. He posted another video that's like, you know, will there be more secrets? And at the end of the, you know, it's this great dramatic video about, you know, have I done all the surprises that I can do? Is there any way left? Will my audience always expect it of me? Will they always see it coming? Am I ever going to be able to write a convincing surprise again? And then, you know, it fades to black. And his voice says, okay, just kidding. And then the lights come up and he says, here's the prologue to Stormlight 5. <laughs> so I got to read the prologue. Well, I listened. He actually did a recording of it, um, a early draft of Stormlight 5. And it was so funny. Emily's like, well, can I read it? Because, you know, all of the prologues um, all take place on the same day. And I was like, I, do you know maybe and as i'm listening because i'm messaging her as i'm listening to it obviously not what it says but as it keeps going it's like spoiler for oathbringer spoiler for rhythm of war spoiler for this spoiler for that and i was like no you can't listen to this (laughs) (laughs) i'll just have to be satisfied with rewatching roswell because i love it and And reading warbreaker and reading warbreaker hey i know this isn't our our stormlight podcast I think you really will enjoy Warbreaker. I didn't say I wasn't going to. <laughs> so, wait, Sado- wait, wait. I have <laughs> questions. Okay. Why did the army invade Tess and Nisado's house? Why did they? Why were Tess and Nisado acting so weird? Why indeed. See, you're saying it like it's significantly going to play into the story later, and I don't think it is. <laughs> I think I know the answers to it, but I don't want to tell you because obviously spoilers. Okay. But um, I can't remember if I guessed that Nisado was a guard for these kids. Did that I guess that? That was one that? of your guesses. Okay. Mm-hmm. You guessed that he was Michael and Isabel's kid. Yes, that they had had <laughs> in the past. But then you guessed a guard. So, okay. yeah, that was pretty good. Apparently, the kids are actually clones of royalty, though. They talk about that in this episode that we're intended. I don't know if it's royalty. Sorry, I'm taking that from three below again. But <laughs> we're going to find out spoilers in the alien diary that, oh, no, we're intended to be paired up with each other. And this is what we're meant to be. And this is our destiny. And I, I think there's going to be... um storylines in the future if we have to teach Tess about free will that she's not destined to be with Max he is choosing to be with Liz mm-hmm. um because yeah in the in the diary that Tess gives to Michael there are sketches of the four of them as they are now adults and so they're kind of like how could they know what we look like and that sort of thing and Meg you were talking about Tess and how if you're not sure if she's on our side or not, or if she's going to flip-flop or whatever, um, when she gives Michael the notebook, the sketchbook, I don't know what else you want to call it, um, she kind of gives him a purpose. She says, if you can convince them, basically, if you can convince them to listen to me, then I will explain everything. And I think this has got to be really, maybe not really hard for Michael, but out of the three original OG aliens, 
we know that he has always wanted to know where he comes from to give him a purpose. And I think it's very unfair of Tess to, I think she's read him very well. I don't Mm -hmm. think this is just randomly. I think this is, you have the most drive to find out what happens. And if I use you, then I can get the other two on my side because you are going to do my hard work for me. See, (laughs) and I think Tess is totally on our side now. I think the show is 100% like, she's an ally. She's one of the good guys now. Don't worry about it. I know she was creepy before, but we've totally changed our minds and now she's good. And Mm -hmm. I think just from the the way that she's interacted with the aliens already, she knows about the group dynamics. And so she does know that Michael is, you know, I don't want to say the weak link in the chain, but he's the one most susceptible. Like, he's the one who wants this the most. So I think she's good, but I do think that she... She knows the team enough that I'm making a motion with my hand. I don't know what I'm trying to say to finish this (laughs) sentence. She knows the team enough that, yes, she knows how to work with them to get what she what she wants. Mm -hmm. She and Niseido have a fallout. She's basically like, you're not my real dad. You're not my real dad. (laughs) And Isabel, Max and Michael are my family. And she kind of. She kind of draws a line in the sand and he draws a line in the sand and they're both kind of like calling each other's bluff, I feel like. Uh, But she leaves him and goes to hang out with the other aliens. (laughs) Um, I would like to say, I think Nisato is very upfront about his intentions. He says, if I have to kill people, I kill people. Pierce (laughs) is dangerous. And I'm like, then why don't you kill Pierce? Like, seriously, you talk the talk, man, but do it, coward. (laughs) Niseto does give a warning that he's closer. Pierce is closer, whoever this Pierce is, um, to the aliens than anyone ever has been before. And we cut to a mysterious person. We don't see their face sitting and watching a tape, obviously, um, from a hidden camera of Isabel and Michael talking and like the name Nisato is mentioned. And so the guy rewinds the tape and watch, you know, rewatches it and it pans out and he has the, um, egg communicator from Miss Topolsky. Hey, 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 can we call it the commune egg cater? Yes, we can. <laughs> so as, as the audience, Nisato tells us Pierce is close and then we see Pierce is close and I really liked that, um, I don't know if there's a word for it, but I liked that back and forth of telling the audience and showing the audience. I thought that was really well done. Oh, I am what, what I am. I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I told you, Megan, but so guys, I was listening to, <laughs> I was listening to Let's Go to Court and they talk about court cases and she, Brandy finally did the Jody Arias case that everyone has wanted her to do forever, forever, forever. Um. And she was talking about the the interview of Jody Arias, and at one point, I guess Jody Arias sung a Dido song, but they don't have the what song it is like on record. I guess that she could find, but they both started singing the Raza theme song. So I just liked that. So I feel like we're connected. Oh, I am what I am. I do what I want. But I, I don't know. The the kids have a book now. A picture book. A picture book. And it's got their pictures in it. From when they were in the pods 
pictures of their faces as kids and pictures and of their faces as teens. We we make some jumps in logic here. Mm-hmm. They they decide because the aliens know what they would look like when they were teenagers that they were designer babies. And I'm like, there are other jumps that could be made. Like, um, me, my brain furiously trying to make a jump. Um, <laughs> listen, I've got this. Okay, maybe this advanced alien civilization just can project what you look like. You know, the mm-hmm. way that we can scan kids' faces and age them up when they're on milk cartons and things. Mm-hmm. And I just... They make, they make some big leaps here. They do. That they're like, uh, we weren't born, we were cloned. But there's also a picture of the who they think is Isabel and Michael standing together with the Isabel character clearly pregnant. And this is where Max finds out that Isabel's pregnant, quote unquote. And this is what actually gets Isabel, like, this is what makes Isabel okay with talking to Tess. Is that, because they're like, we don't know how we get pregnant. We just dreamed it. Maybe that's how we get pregnant. We don't know anything about ourselves. And she's really freaked out about this. And so she says, she will go talk to Tess. Also, this scene opened up with uh, Michael being all mad at Max of like, you, how could you not tell this about, how could you not tell us about Tess, about this? And I'm like, he literally just found out. And at the end of this scene, Max is like, how could you not told me that Isabel's pregnant? And I'm like, didn't we, didn't we do this already? Like, didn't we have a scene where someone's like, how could you hide this from me? And later they're like, how could you hide this from me? That, like I said, that's my least favorite. You have a lot of least favorite tropes. I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm trying to find tropes that I like. They're coming up, okay? <laughs> I hate this pregnancy storyline. I'm so glad it's over. For now. <laughs> For now. <laughs> So Isabel does want to go talk to Tess, but Max is like, well, if I can play into Tess's, she, he doesn't say, he doesn't say delusions, but basically she thinks we're supposed to be together, destiny forever, that sort of a thing. And so I'll go talk to her because I can play off of that. Max goes to Tess and basically lies and says, I want to know everything and, and has the diary out in the open which I think is only less bad than Liz hiding her alien diary in the wall. (laughs) Well, we get to the sheriff and the sheriff has been doing some digging into the, basically into Nisado, but everything checks out. But listen. I'm listening. Again, I love this show, but I hate the shortcuts they take with the story sometimes because... Someone comes and tells the sheriff, oh, everything checks out. This is Ed Harding. This is where he's from. He's divorced. He has a daughter, blah, blah, blah. Like, basically, they are confirming everything he knows. But I'm like, you just dealt with a shapeshifter and everything seemed kosher then. And then you found out that you'd been tricked. And so why are you so okay with this, but so suspicious of the new deputy that just shows up? Like, there's a new deputy in town, Deputy Fisher. And he's like, you requested me i'm here i transferred and he's like i requested you six months ago so he's just fine with all the information that he just got about this other guy but he's not okay with all the information that he's getting about deputy fisher so who i think is adorable and he's got a very opie 
see, as soon as he walked in, I'm like, oh, that's Pierce. <laughs> that's, he's here. He's infiltrated the sheriff's office. This is Pierce, and he's going to be our real villain for the series, because now the sheriff's on our side. But he's yes, so adorable. Shut up. <laughs> evil, evil can be adorable. I know. I'm saying I think he's adorable. Hey. Oh, okay. This next part that's coming up. Okay. So we go to the Crashdown Cafe. We've got Isabel and Michael talking basically about the baby and, and what's going to happen and how the dream was so intense. And like Isabel really feels that it meant something. She's been very deeply affected by this. Like, very deeply affected and especially with all the revelations that have come to light you know she's going so does this mean you're my brother does this mean you're my mate like she also wants to figure it out and i feel like isabel and michael are getting to the same page isabel was kind of getting there like she was supporting him as he was trying to find nasado and everything but all of a sudden this thing is directly affecting her and she is on board and so they're talking about what are we going to do about the baby? And guess who overhears them? Oh, Maria does. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's the... Okay, so this is this is 12 minutes into the episode, right? Yeah. This is when I started to get on board. Okay. Because I, I like the way that there's all this alien magic stuff happening. But the show is really about how our human characters interact with the aliens. Like the aliens are not the only stars. And I loved us seeing how Maria and Alex like accepted and dealt with this issue. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It just, it made me, it made me feel things that the show doesn't usually do unless it's just like, some kind of blind rage (laughs) but this this made me feel sympathy for the characters and it made me be like feel tenderness towards what was happening and i liked i liked this part of the storyline because like i said maria is watching this happen and she's watching michael be extremely tender and soft with isabel and i almost wonder if she wishes he would do that with her because when they're together, he's not standoffish, but he's really just like, what? Or, you know, he's himself. And then watching him be that way with Isabel, like brushing her hair off of her and like putting his arms around her. And Maria is seeing Michael, I think in a kind of different light of, (sighs) I, Yeah. Nothing. It's just sad that she thinks her boyfriend slept with Izzy. Yeah. She doesn't go in and scream and rage and throw things. She leaves, which I don't know what I would do in that situation. I don't know if I would go in and be like, oh, guess what I just heard? Or if I would leave and try and figure out how I felt about it all besides just sadness. I think I would walk into the room. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't think I would yell, but I think I would walk into the room and be like, okay, tell me what's happening. But in like a very clearly I'm furious way. (laughs) (laughs) And then we're introduced to a really great new character 
and he's on screen for about 30 seconds and then he dies the random tailing fbi eight you think he's a great character you were into him you were just like ooh, ooh, yeah he was yeah, we've got a new guy he was handsome and then Masato murders him man oh i mean he doesn't have any lines so therefore they they weren't even paying him as much as basically if you're on screen but you don't have any dialogue they don't have to pay you as much mm-hmm. but he's doing his very best as an fbi agent and tailing the known alien nisado who then murders him and takes his body and sticks it in the trunk of a car <laughs> a very significant car a very significant car significant <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk about, I mean, we kind of talked about it here, I guess, when we were watching it, but your future plans for Tess. My future plans for Tess? Yeah. I mean, I guess we kind of already talked about it where you're like, I want an episode where they teach her that oh, you, know, yeah. you can have free will. Yeah. They're going to teach her free will and then she and Kyle are going to date and yeah, she's going to she's gonna learn that she doesn't have to have her destined boyfriend, but she does still need a boyfriend because <laughs> what self-respecting young girl doesn't need a boyfriend? <laughs> Sorry, I'm joking. <laughs> but no, I think her and Kyle are going to date, which hopefully will give Kyle uh, some time to shine. <laughs> on screen finally on screen we miss that boy where are you where's cohen's kyle's time show? i mean he's in the opening credits okay so max and tess have gone off to talk about alien whatevers and they're in the jeep and are heading back to town oh and he has <laughs> i forgot he has the sex talk with with Tess here, Tess. where he's he's talking about, oh, I think I know you from a dream or whatever, and and he's like, so is that how we do it? And she's like, mate? she's like, no, we have to do it the human way. Yeah. So apparently, these dreams are sex education. It's it's dreams, and who's it's supposed to be with get- who? Yeah, teaching them how to do the dirty. <laughs> Sorry, no, that's not how I want to talk about it. Teaching them how to do it with each other. It's not the dirty. My bad, everyone. But we head out, we head back to the Crashdown Cafe, and Max has come back from his talk with Tess, and he goes straight to Liz and is like, hey, let's get out of here right now, just you and me, because... Basically, I need some alone time with you. Don't tell anybody else. And he's shown up and he's he's really not forceful, but like taking charge. Like you can tell this is very important to him. And she wants to tell Maria, but Max is like, no, don't do that. And this is the part, Megan. This is the part I wish I had videotaped your face. I wish because Max does not put... Liz into the Jeep. He puts her into a Corvette saying, and I oh, was, it's a rental. I was screaming, wrong car, it's not Max. Because it's wrong car, it's not, it's not Max. 
That's not what you said. That's not what you said. That's not what you said. You said, hold on, I think there's a continuity error here because it shows <laughs> it shows Max and Liz in the Corvette, and then it shows Max and Tess in the Jeep, and they pass each other, and your jaw dropped to the floor. <laughs> and I watched your face where you're just like looking back and forth and back and forth. And I was like, yes. So that's what happened. That's how I remember it. Is that's the show right. surprised you. And the show, most TV shows don't surprise you. At least yeah, that's how so, I, that's how I see it. Yeah. So I think... Yeah, I think that was it, is I was like, oh, hang on. And then I was like, ah, ah, ah. But yeah, listen, I'm not, I, I'm not saying I never get shocked by anything. Mm-hmm. I think that's silly. <laughs> but I don't know, it just, yeah, this was dangerous and this was scary. And I'm like, why is he taking Liz? Emily, why is he taking Liz? I don't know. He wants to draw the FBI. I don't know. We're not quite there yet. I'm not sure. But, um. They're kind of dirty talking in the Corvette as they're going down the highway about nothing's ever going to come between us and, oh, tell me more. And Nisato, Max, is like, you know, you keep that up, I'm going to have to pull over. And Liz is like, is that a threat or is that a promise? And he, like, (gasps) takes the car off the road, parks it, and starts heavy making out together. Great. And Liz did not enjoy that. Liz starts having flashes again, only they're all like this weird black and white lightning desert. There's a body on the ground. And she knows something is off. Like she is smart enough to figure that out. And good for her because when you're dating an alien, you never know what's going on. (sighs) I didn't like Nisado kissing Liz. I mean, I'm pretty sure I wasn't meant to, but... No. But then she has an evil flash. Mm Mm-hmm. Not a good flash, an evil flash. So Liz kind of knows something is off, especially that, and she's trying to get him to take her back. Like, her radar is going off really, really hard. Her cell phone rings. We were talking about this, that, you know, cell phones can either make things really easy or really not. And she picks up this at the phone and she's watching Max out of the, the rear view mirror because he's gotten out of the car and is getting something out of the trunk. And Max has called her cell phone and is like, it's me, Max. Whoever you are with is not me because I'm at the crash town. And <laughs> Miss Sato Max is just like glaring daggers at her. And uh, we find out what's in the trunk and that it's a body and he just dumps it on the side of the road very casually so uh this scene kind of reminds me of that that short story of and i'm pretty sure it's a tumblr post um but it's imagine you're upstairs in your house and all the lights are out and you hear your mom call you from downstairs saying sweetie can you come down here and as you're about to go down the stairs someone grabs your arm and you turn and you look and it's your mom and she says don't go. I can hear it too. Ooh, I don't like that. <laughs> so anyway, 
you're in a you're in a car with your boyfriend and then <laughs> someone calls you on the phone and it's your boyfriend and he says hey remember how to say it was a shape-shifting alien <laughs> <laughs> and they all promised they would always stay together so no one would ever get tricked by nasato ever again no they all promised that they would make sure max was never alone with tess <laughs> <laughs> Um, but something struck me in this scene because, uh, you know, Nisato comes, has dumped the, the FBI guy's body on the side of the road, and Liz looks over the car door to see it, and there's, uh, she can see the silver handprint on his chest. And I was just thinking, because that was a really big deal in the first episode, is she had a silver handprint on her, like, stomach or wherever she got shot. And how weird that would be to see, like, this guy died from it, but I lived because of it. And um, isn't the uh, the dead body from the 50s also had the silver handprint? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's one of the reasons I think the sheriff was so, so interested in her. Yeah, because yeah, he had those pictures. Hand, the silver handprint giveth and the silver handprint taketh away. <laughs> <laughs> So we're getting to the part, Megan, that you really, really loved. And it's the interactions between Michael and Maria. And then later we're going to see Isabel and Alex. Mm-hmm. And again, we're proven right that Maria is the most mature. Like Liz is sort of like meant. I think we're meant to think that Liz is the most mature. No, it's Maria uh, by Liz, far. You and I have talked about this time and time again. And it's. That Liz and Max are both very book smart, Mm -hmm. but very people clueless. And we think that, like, learning intelligence equates to emotional intelligence. But as we've seen time and time again, Maria is the only person on this show that knows how to properly engage with and talk about feelings. Mm -hmm. And it's because of how her relationship is with her mom, dating back to episode 16, Independence Day. Yep. But she goes out to talk to Michael privately, you know, not where there's a big crowd or anything, place where they can have a discussion freely, and she lets him know straight up, hey, I heard something, and I want to make sure I heard it correctly. And so kudos to her for not, I mean... Her worst nightmare, yes, has come to pass, but she didn't jump to that conclusion. She's like, I'm going mm-hmm. to at least make sure. I feel like that's a lot of the issue with a lot of TV and book drama is that someone will hear something and assume, oh, it's this thing, and then really overreact when if you had just talked to the person. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I lo- okay, listen, I love a good Regency romance. I love them. And a lot of them are based on misunderstandings, you know, because that's one of my favorite tropes here. You're getting to hear about one of my favorite tropes. And I have this author that I absolutely adore. I love all of her books except for one because the whole thing is based upon a very simple misunderstanding. And you have about eight or nine instances where they almost find out, but something happens that they don't quite get the whole message. And it just wasn't strong enough to go for a whole book. Like it's these two people who are married, but have lived apart for three years because of a very simple misunderstanding. And I thought he said this and I thought she meant this and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Anyways, 
Maria off, is off, awesome. Wait, 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 wait. I, yes, I have yes, an yes, off-topic yes. question. What's the name of that book that's basically spoofing the last season of Creating Game of Thrones? Spoiler. Spoiler alert. Who's mm-hmm. the author for that? Because that is one of... I'm, I'm not a big... Um, romance novel reader i kind of just stick with fan fictions of the couples that i already like (laughs) uh but it is it's called spoiler alert by Uh olivia dade d-a-d-e olivia dade so the main character is this girl who's a huge sorry woman uh who is a huge fan of this fantasy series um and it's an unfinished book series and there's a television show based off of it and it's it's absolutely Game of Thrones. 100%. Like, yeah. <laughs> not subtle. Not subtle at all. And she doesn't tell everyone in her real life about her fandom. Like, she's got a couple of online fandom friends that she's known forever. Um, specifically this one guy who, like, he beta reads all of her fan fictions and, you know, but that's kind of it. Well celebrating that this last season is coming out she finally gets the courage to post a picture of herself in cosplay of one of the characters that she's worked on and she's a plus-sized girl and so the trolls online just totally pile on top of her saying that oh such and such love interest from the show would never want to date this character if she looked like this and so the actor who plays the love interest in in this real world TV show they're making. He's actually secretly been a huge fan of the books for ages, um, but he's not very, you know, public about that. He uh, even keeps his identity secret from everyone online, including this one girl, and he beta reads all of her fan fictions. <laughs> and I think you can see where this is going. <laughs> but this actor sees, you know, this online troll pile on onto this fan who he doesn't know who she is, and he's like, um, I think my character would be honored to date her. In fact, and he asks this girl out on a date as like a PR moment. And so it's like, you've got mail. They are best friends online and don't realize (laughs) that they are going to be on a date with each other in person. It's really good. It's called Spoiler Alert. And I super loved it. Thank you for recommending it to me, Emily. You are very welcome. And that has like a bunch of really wholesome tropes in it. And I just really loved it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of times we get like, I mean, kind of tying this back to Roswell and other TV shows, we get like the shrill girlfriend or the, the drama queen and everything. And I think Maria has the capability to be that because she is very Mm -hmm. dramatic and all of these things. But when it counts, she's able to be, that's what I'm looking for level level is a great one because i'm like she's really boring about it and that's not it level is a really great a great one and i really like them kind of taking that trope and turning it on its head a little bit Mm -hmm. where she's just like so tell me what's going on and she doesn't try and make a big deal about this could be happening or this could be happening or this could be happening yeah um well because like in any other show (laughs) Grace Anatomy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You find out that the person you're dating is pregnant with somebody else's baby and you instantly confront them and have a huge fight about it and tell the whole hospital and you go to other characters to discuss your feelings. Listen, I love Grace Anatomy. This isn't supposed to be a slam. Um, But it's it's that kind of show where the drama is the point. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I think 
like, maybe this storyline has, listen, this storyline has happened a couple times on Grey's Anatomy where it's like, <laughs> oh no, you're not pregnant with my kid. You're pregnant with someone else's kid. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I love how both Maria and Alex handle this. It speaks to a maturity. Mm-hmm. Because Maria kind of pushes Michael to say, like, how did this happen? Like, she she wants an explanation, which I think she totally deserves. You know, she's like, I thought you were brother and sister, but you're sleeping with her. And he's like, I'm not sleeping with her. Well, then how did you get pregnant? I don't know. And and she's very like, are you serious? Are you serious? And he's like, I really don't know. And he, like, kind of unburdens his soul a little bit about, like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I'm dreaming. I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know if I have feelings for her. Like, he's very confused. And I think he's really trying to be open and honest. Just doesn't say things in a way that's really well thought out, which is fine. In the heat of the moment, some of us, some of us can't do that. Me, especially. He basically is like, listen, right now, Maria, I don't care about our stupid relationship. All I care about is Isabel and that something is happening to her and I care about her. And... His heart is in the right place, but his mouth is saying all the wrong things. <laughs> Which, you know what? Par for the course with Michael. Mm-hmm. But this is just like with Max and Tess last episode where they are not saying the right things to get out of this conversation. Yeah. Like, they are, they are creating miscommunications on top of miscommunications. Yeah. But because yeah. at this point now, of course, the audience knows that the alien pregnancy was just to to scare us and it's not real. <laughs> and yeah, I love this scene with, because we were talking about it's Maria and Alex who are handling these things because Alex sits down to talk to Isabel and he's like, I'm here for you and I don't know how this happened and I'm okay with that and I'm still here for you. And Isabel is very much like, this isn't some normal teenage troubled pregnancy, okay? This is an alien baby. And Alex has the best response. Basically, he says something along the lines of, I knew what I was getting into when I started dating you. Like, you're an alien. I knew weird stuff was going to happen. He's totally on board with this. (laughs) He was actually kind of hoping it would happen. So yeah, he's great. He's wonderful and just the best. So he's he's trying to convince her that he's not going to run because of this and that he will be there for her if she needs him. Um, but he doesn't push. He's written so well. The boys on the show are so good. They're so dumb sometimes, but they have emotional <laughs> wisdom. That's a terrible way to put it. But yeah, I just... I really enjoyed, and Megan, I loved what you said about this is not about the aliens. This is about the humans mm-hmm. interacting with the aliens. I really like that. I thought that was a really good insight. <laughs> Thanks. It's been known to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, uh, we're going on another tangent, but um, I came up with an idea for a new show that I want to write. Oh my gosh. You guys. <laughs> Oh, 
Oh. And I gave Emily the bare bones of it tonight with mm-hmm. like a main characters, minute, central minute. dynamic setup. This is the finale of season one. They'll just be shenanigans, and here's the finale of the whole series. And when I told her the finale of the series, Emily just started crying. I did. I was really moved. Yeah. And it was, you tied all the themes together, and you had like, oh, this is a mirror of this, and da 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 and feelings, and emotions, and good storytelling, and ugh. And so Emily just put both of her face in her hands and weeping, she says, so they get to be together. <laughs> I was like, yes. Anyway. That's, that's what we want to see in a show. We want the people we love to be together. I'm going to go on a quick tangent. This is just like a personal preference of mine, but it's so hard to watch shows where once a couple gets together, all the tension is gone and the writers don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So they break everybody up. I want to see a powerhouse couple taking names and kicking together. Can I interest you in Bones on Fox? (laughs) Yes. 100% very much. But yeah, I agree with you. I like, I, I wish there were more stories where the stressors were external and not emotional. Mm -hmm. That like, um... You know, I, I don't like shows where the couple fights and then break up and then reconcile and get back together. And then they fight and break up and reconcile and get back together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, okay, to use Bones as an example, um, Booth's gambling problem ends up causing, like, a huge issue for them. And, like, actually ends up compromising the safety of their home. And so they do spoilers for bones sorry emily i guess this is for you too they do briefly separate for a time but not like separate with the intention to divorce it's more like hey we need time to work on this problem and i just remember really loving how the show handled that storyline because listen gray's anatomy which i love has the highest divorce rate of any show on television (laughs) (laughs) and that always like it makes me really sad that we don't see how couples work together and overcome difficult challenges. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's that's part of the fun is not that I want to see people compromise all the time, but I would love mm-hmm. to see a well-established couple get into a serious situation and they both have different, different viewpoints, but that doesn't automatically mean we can't be together. It's okay, let's find a solution. Like, let's work together so that we're both, you know, happy or whatever. Well, you heard it here first, folks. In 10 years from now, watch. I'm so excited for it, Megan. It was so good. Like, you started talking about it just now, and I started getting, like, my throat started getting tight because I'm like, I just want them to be together. So speaking of relationships... But not romantic relationships. We're going to talk about father-son relationships for a minute. Are we going to talk about Kyle? Yes. Because, <laughs> as we remember, Sheriff Valenti is very suspicious of this new deputy, but apparently everything checks out. But he catches the guy going through his files, and he's like, what are you doing? And the deputy stands up with, like, sticky notes all over his hands. He's like, I'm just color-coding the files. You know, suspicious. he's being such a dork and so cute. But um, they start having a conversation. Not cute. Suspicious. 
No, so cute. Suspicious. I didn't know it was Pierce at the time. Well, watch TV better. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. He was a red herring. He was a red herring. He was an adorable red herring. Now, now knowing that he's Pierce, going back and watching this scene is very interesting because he is using a an interrogation tactic where you find something that you have in common with the other person and like build on that. And so he talks to the sheriff and mentions how, oh, my dad was a sheriff and and something this is this is what I always wanted to do and I always wanted to, you know, and and you can see the sheriff falling for this about like, oh, this this guy like is a good guy. The whole scene takes place with the sheriff talking to Pierce with a picture of Kyle right behind him. And I love this now because I'm just like, Pierce is so smart. He's quote unquote becoming the son the sheriff never had. <laughs> Except he has a son. Except he has a son. <laughs> Uh, Who doesn't want to go into law enforcement? Like, the picture is of Kyle in his football uniform on the field, you know. Right? I thought Kyle was a basketball jock, but apparently he's the the jock of every every trade. A jock of all trades. Maybe the school is small enough that you can be on multiple teams or whatever. I don't know. So, the three aliens are together. They're at the Crashdown Cafe, and... Or Michael tells Isabel, hey, guess what? You're not pregnant. And <laughs> um, he's like, yes, this is an alien thing. Like, the dreams are an alien thing. It's to get us to do it. But we still have to do it, like, the normal human old-fashioned way. And so they're obviously relieved. But Michael's still like, like, are we chained to destiny? Do I have to be with Isabel? Because, you know, no offense to Isabel, obviously. But Michael's just, you know, thinking yeah. about the future. <laughs> and obviously in walks Maria, so he's got to go talk to her. Yeah, um, I am. I Listen, y'all, I cannot emphasize how relieved I am. This is not a real alien pregnancy. <laughs> like, I was, wor- I was worried, <laughs> stressed even, you may say. <laughs> um. So word is slowly getting around to everyone that there's no alien baby. And Max lets it slip that, like, he hasn't told Liz yet. And Maria says, what are you talking about? You drove off with her this morning. I would like to reiterate how... Listen, I know I just reiterated something else. But (laughs) what bad safety protocols everyone is implementing, even though there is a known shapeshifter... Emily, not on the podcast because then everyone would know it, but we should come up with a code phrase. (laughs) (laughs) So we know that we're not shape-shifted. Yeah. I mean, we do have our family code phrase, don't say it. But, oh, should we just use that then? Should we just use the family code phrase we already have? It's... Right? Emily! I'm gonna bleep it! But yeah, I, I agree with you, Megan. Um, they don't know, though, that... Or do they? Do they know that Ed Harding is Nisato, who is Tess's dad? 
No, but they know there is a shapeshifter. Okay. Right? Yes. I just couldn't remember, yeah, like... Yeah, I don't think it's... I don't think they know. I don't think they know. Okay, I don't they think don't. they do either. So, at this point, they realize things are dire enough. Like, things have finally come to a point where Liz is kidnapped. Like, someone is in mortal danger. And they decide that it's time to bring in the big guns. The big guns being Sheriff Valenti. How do you feel about that, Megan? He is the biggest gun that they know. (laughs) (laughs) Root him, toot him, point and shoot him. (laughs) So... Naturally, people... Copper, can you just get comfy? Can you just hurry up and get comfy? Sorry, he's making a nest. Sorry. So, people are obviously of two minds about this. Max is like, yes, we're going to go get Valenti. And everyone else is like, that's not a great idea. So, Maria comes up with a great idea. Because Valenti doesn't know there's two Maxes at this point. So she's like, we're just going to blame you for kidnapping Liz. Everything will be fine. And we'll go tell Valenti we need help getting her back. I'm like, From you. From you. I'm like, short term, great plan. Long term, not so much. But um, <sighs> yeah, we see Liz and Max. Matt, quote, you know, Nisado oh, Max we'll heading down the road. Maxado? Maxado. I love it. Thank and you. Liz is... Not, like, hysterical, but she's just sitting there like, I have to get out of this, but I don't know how. Like, she's, you can tell she's, like, really thinking. And you see Maxedo on the phone saying, I need to talk to Agent Pierce. Like, his mannerisms, listen, this actor is so good. His mannerisms are great. Because he's, he's the, I'm trying to think of another, another thing to compare it to, but... (laughs) Okay, we got to talk about Orphan Black. I was just going to say Orphan Black. That was on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> so the thing is, I apparently am very easily fooled by actors' mannerisms. All right? I I watch Orphan Black and people are like, you look the exact same as me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She has white people dreads and she has soccer mom bangs. They're completely different people. <laughs> and whenever somebody's like, they look the exact same. I was like, these are these are completely different beings. I, I don't know how anybody could confuse them as the same person. And so like once it was confirmed that Max was Nasato, I would look at him and I literally couldn't see Max. I would be like, Wow. And I caught myself thinking this twice. Twice this happened. I'm like a goldfish. I'm like, wow. (laughs) The actor they pulled on to play Max's duplicate is amazing. (laughs) It's the same actor, Megan. Come on. (laughs) But yeah, he's... I, Megan, literally, I was like, I can't think of anything. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, Orphan Black. And you're like, I'm going to talk about Orphan Black. So good job. (laughs) Yeah, he does it. I just, this actor does a really great job. But yeah, he's taking, he's taking Liz on a merry, on a merry ride and, and telling the FBI, hey, I've left you a dead body on the side of the road. And he says, basically why he's doing this is to draw the FBI away from the other kids, which I'm just like, that's a good plan 
but the kids ruin it by following them. <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> so. But he has a really creepy, creepy conversation with Liz about, ooh, I like being Max Evans, and ooh, I've been so many other people. And, and so he's doing this to get Pierce to come. And she's like, why do you need me? He's like, oh, you're my hostage. Like, it's just weird hearing Max's face say all of these, like, really weird and creepy things. Great acting. This mm-hmm. is, everyone should get a chance to play an evil version of themselves in a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, they end up taking, I'm going to kind of skip ahead a little bit. They end up, okay. he ends up taking her to some little side roadshow circus. Carnival place. Carnival place. And, and it was obviously filmed on like a small set. Like he's leaving a lot of clues along the way. He got a dead body. He blows up a gas station pump. Like he really wants the FBI to come and get him. So. Yes. Okay. I've been trying to describe the state fair to one of the teams that I'm on. Because um, the show I'm on has a, has a big fair, a big festival as part of, as part of the story. Yeah. And it's very interesting because most people's idea of the state fair is just what you see of a carnival in a tv show Mm -hmm. and i'm trying to be like no there's like areas where there's like huge warehouses full of the photography competition and the art competition and the quilting display and the the gardening and the food and that's not even talking about the barns full of you've got the sheep barns and the cow barns and the pig barns and the llama barns and i'm like trying to convey of like no, this is what a fairground is. Mm-hmm. And I feel I feel like they're still picturing um, just a little, little, little teeny carnival like this. <laughs> yeah. Our state fair is a great state fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone gets pulled to the state fair. And I really liked this scene because we've got good Max and Maxedo and everyone like the last kind of big scene is everyone is in the house of mirrors the fun house whatever yeah and so you never quite know if you are going to be seeing the real Max or Maxedo or Sheriff Valenti ends up there or Liz is in there and all the FBI agents are in there and I think it was shot like that was a really good like location for this this big finale yeah um at the hallway mirror scene was great they you mentioned a couple episodes ago about how difficult it must be to shoot with mirrors Mm -hmm. um and i thought they did a a really great job of like having multiple multiple shots of our characters in the mirror but never seeing the camera crew yeah Um, yeah and i i looked (laughs) (laughs) and Um, the cool oh go ahead oh uh the moment where I remember being shocked. Oh, do you know what? I'm jumping too close to the end. You go. Um, it's so interesting because every time you see the actor who plays Max, you can tell if it is Nisado or Maxwell. Like, you can tell up until the very end. Oh, and Emily, this is what is so... This is a really great example of characters like you're trying so hard to prevent something you end up causing it Mm -hmm. because spoilers everybody 
the FBI end up taking the real Max. And Nisato ends up escaping with Liz. Yep. Oh, dear. Yeah, that... It was a very good ending, I feel, to this. But back to your thing about, like, trying so hard to prevent the thing that they're trying not to. That always... Ooh, I... I say I hate that. I don't mean that. I just mean, like, as a person who has control issues, I have issues with that. (laughs) It's hubris. Yeah. It's just what we learned in our AP Lit classes. (laughs) I just always feel so bad for these people who have worked so hard this entire storyline of being like, oh, that's not going to happen to me. I'm going to make sure, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to, you know... But I just always feel so bad for those characters at the end who are just like, no. One often meets his destiny on the road he takes to avoid it. Yup. So that is where the episode ends. Max (gasps) to the max. Maxwell is kidnapped by the FBI. What they were trying to stop in the first place. And now we find out. prevented this? Who? Communication. Okay, no, how would you have prevented this? I'm interested in it because they use the cell phone. Oh, sorry. I meant Nisado could have prevented oh, this. Oh, got it. Got by it. By communicating with the other alien kids that, hey, I'm going to lure, I'm going to lure Pierce somewhere. But the thing That's is, true. is he took Liz. I'm not sure why Nisado took Liz. He took her because she was his hostage to make sure that oh, okay. they didn't just kill Nisado flat out. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Then listen, if he had asked her, she would have agreed. I feel like that's something <laughs> to Liz protect would have Max. Down to yeah, do. I think yeah. she would have done a hundred percent. Because the thing so. is, like Nasado has only. You're right. He's only ever communicated with Tess, and they have like this whole history together and kind of understand how the other person works. But you kind of throw someone like Nasado, who is. 18 steps ahead of these teens who don't know what's going on they're not going to trust him and not going to you know do what he says uh also yeah no i think i think nisado messed up on this one yeah yeah also if he wanted to kill pierce he could have just gone to the roswell police department (laughs) wait is it confirmed that was it confirmed that a new deputy was Pierce? Because Does he show up in the at the the very last scene is Max being held in this in the white room, room. and <laughs> and Pierce is standing there in his FBI suit. That's how you know he's an FBI agent now, is he's in his his suit. And uh, yep, yep, we know, we know. And here's what I would have wished: I would have liked agent or i would have liked deputy fisher to have been a longer running character uh-huh. i think that like earlier if they, on in the series yeah yeah just so we got to know him and and that sort of thing so it would have been a little mm-hmm. bit more of mm-hmm. a shock rather than it just happening yeah know, yeah when we meet him because the thing is we could have seen him in other scenes and still had those scenes where you don't know who's watching the camera or who's got the communicator (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the way they did it in here was fine i'm not saying it was a bad move i'm just saying it would have been more cool it would have been more fun for me as a viewer to be like no not the person that we've grown to like no okay what if we didn't find out topolsky was fbi until this episode 
so how would that have worked? Like she would have still been here the whole time. She would have been here the whole time. She would have been our guidance counselor the whole time. Okay. And so we talk about we don't know much about this agent except the name Pierce. And so we talk about this agent Pierce and everyone just assumes Pierce is a dude. Mm. And then Max is in the white room here at the very end. Yeah. And Mr. Polsky steps in. He's like, Mr. Polsky. And she's like, sorry, Max. That was my cover name. And then she holds out her hand. Julia Pierce. It's <gasps> nice to meet you. Oh, that would have been so cool. <laughs> Thanks. And then we could have just cut my least favorite episode. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're stuck on a cliffhanger, but there are two more episodes to this season. The next one is going to be season one, episode 21. I don't know if it's the white room or just white room. But, uh-huh. Megan, what do you think is going to happen in this episode? Uh, so I think Max is going to get in gated um but i'm not that worried because maybe isabel will remember that she can dream walk and uh hopefully they can use alien psychic powers to find him nice um and i i (laughs) do you know what would be great what if michael's like oh my gosh nisado i've been looking for you my whole life and nisado is like you are designed to be the squire of the great Prince Max. <laughs> That's typical. Yeah, I would love that. But no, I, I sincerely, I hope that Michael and Nisado have a good connecting scene where Michael's like, I always knew. And Nisado's like, yeah, sorry I didn't kill Hank earlier. <laughs> so if Max gets in, how did you say, in torturegated is that how you said it yep what are they going to ask him what do they want to know what does the fbi Uh, want to know how many aliens are there are you the only one did did you kill the dude and whatever i think they are absolutely going to believe max is nisado because nisado was dropping all these hints while disguised as sorry hints dead bodies (laughs) was dropping all of his messages while looking like max they saw him with liz as max at the carnival they are going to full-on believe that this kid is nisado whoops that's not gonna be great those are good guesses i'm really excited to see if they come true yeah well megan thank you for watching this tv show with me i have such a good time doing this and uh, i hope you do too <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> i'm really looking forward to season two which you promised me is good <laughs> i think it's good but now i'm worried that like we have two very different definitions of good so we'll see no no i think we've i think we've agreed when episodes are really like beyond the pale not what we want from a tv mm-hmm. show awesome all right well meg i'm gonna get back to writing my book i'm gonna get back to writing the other stuff i'm supposed to write tonight i believe in you i believe in you too ready break Thank you again. (laughs) 
thank you again, everyone. Again, for tuning in to My Sister Made Me View It, the 1999 Roswell edition. Um, any jingle jangles you hear is my dog just having so much fun with his toy. And listen, I'm not going to be that person and take it away from him. And he's just going to live his best life right now. So it's just you and me and the dog. So anyways, a special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm. Thank you, Michael. We use that as our intro and exit music for our Roswell podcast and our Way of Kings podcast. So if you are interested in that, our next Way of Kings episode goes up on April 14th. And then a week after that, you're going to get our next Roswell episode on April 21st. So good times all the way around. We're so excited. Um, Megan is the one who has read and knows pretty much everything about the way of kings brandon sanderson's the cosmere and i have not so i am the one who's reading it and making all sorts of crazy far out there guesses uh we're getting down to the end of the first book so everything's ramping up to like really take off so swing by and give a listen let us know what you think and thank you so much to everyone who has taken the time to rate and review us that just gives us nice little dopamine hits and we just love it so much if you want to check out cute pictures of said dog, that is, you can hear him, or uh, Megan's cute kitty cats, you can check us out on our social media pages. Sis made me view it on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. We don't post very often, but when we do, it's pictures of our pets. Anyways, you guys are fabulous. Thank you so much for listening. We just have so much fun doing this, and we just get to sit around and talk about TV and books. Really, I don't know what could be better. Anyways. Have a great week, you guys. I hope you get to do the things you love or you get the email you've been waiting for or the text you've been waiting for and that your week is amazing just like you are. Because remember, we believe in you.